and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me once again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or the follow button, go ahead and do so right now. New episodes come out every single Wednesday, and you're going to want to check them out. You can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. And if you love what you guys are hearing, be sure you scroll down give me that five-star rating. Always helps the podcast grow, and I would greatly appreciate it, guys, so make sure you give me that review. Again, you'll love what you're hearing. On today's show, be a mirror. That's what we're going to be talking about, how to be a mirror to your dog in a good way. Then we'll have a segment on dogs and medications. Eh, You might hear some of my true feelings today, so I'm giving you the warning now. (laughs) (laughs) Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. And if you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, keep them coming at me. You can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or feel free to just message me on social media. Now, before we get going with today's show, I've got to give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what determines the sex of a baby sea turtle? Yes, what factors determine the sex of a baby sea turtle? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around. Sit Stay and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, be a mirror. So what exactly am I talking about when I'm telling you to be a mirror? Well, look, you know, dogs are going to be a reflection of you, right? So whatever you're giving off, the dog is going to naturally reflect back, okay? Um... So let's think of it this way. If you're giving off frustration, stress, maybe aggression, uh, if you're giving off these kinds of things to your dog, towards your dog, then the dog is naturally only going to reflect that back. Now, we're going to talk about what the fine line is here because I, I've told you guys, I have nothing wrong. You know, There's no problem with a stern no and a sharp no when we're correcting our dogs. And some of you might, well, David, that's a great, no. So (laughs) here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about your tone, your body language, everything your body language is, everything you're giving off to your dog informationally that they're going to naturally reflect back to you, okay? So it's not to say, uh, you know, if I have an aggressive dog coming up my throat, I'm not going to go, hey, can you please not bite me? And the dog's going to naturally not bite That's not going to happen. I'm going to have to use some form of force leash, collar, my arm, stopping, whatever it might be, I'm going to have to use some form of force to stop that. So we'll talk about how we reflect back what they're giving off, how we reflect back uh, what we're giving off. So we're going to talk about the difference as well. So there's a couple things to note in here. Um, But look, you all have seen it. You've seen it, right? You've seen an owner get really frustrated with a dog and ah, and start yelling at them. ah, ah, It doesn't help, does it? It doesn't help. How about the front door? Dogs start barking. What does everybody, stop barking, stop yelling, quiet, we we scream at them, right? That's what everybody does. Uh, And again, difference between a sharp no uh, or a sharp quiet versus actually like ah, going on and on and on. Okay, and so if they're going on and on and on, what does the dog reflect? Oh, we're barking at the dog. Okay, let's keep doing it. So they start to reflect reflect back what you give off, right? Especially if your dog looks at you like a, as a leadership position, they're naturally going to want to reflect back what you're giving them, good information or bad, okay? So I'm going to start off with telling you just a quick little story. Somebody told me the other day, you know, like somebody I know, um, I wasn't there, not involved. <laughs> this is just the story I'm told. Uh, she she was throwing a you know small little get together with some friends. Um, and I guess either a mutual friend or something like that, uh, is a dog sitter that asked if they could bring a dog that they're dog sitting. Puppy, 
you know, three or four month old puppy. She asked if I could bring the puppy, knowing they're dog people. They said, sure, absolutely. We're dog people. Bring the dog. They bring the dog over and it's a misbehaving puppy. And it actually bites the woman that I know, bites her right in the leg. No, three or four months old. Thank goodness it's not like a serious, but, but nonetheless goes up and gone. That's the greeting, right? That's the hello. Uh, <laughs> and the woman that's dog sitting the dog, her response to this is to grab the dog and whack it across the face really hard and get almost aggressive with it, okay? Now, first of all, what do you think the dog did back? Dog got more frustrated and aggressive and went back at her a little bit. So the person that I know nicely, as nice as you can in that moment, says, hey, you know, maybe um, maybe don't do that. <laughs> she said, look, I don't know what your rules are where you are, but this is my house. And in my house, we're not going to do that to a dog, okay? Um, but again, more to the point, guys, look at what happens when you do something like that. Now, let's talk about if I have a moment, you know, for example, I mean, look, this is, this is, this is what I do. I train dogs. And sometimes we bring more aggressive, uh, situations into the house or dogs that have possessive issues or whatever. So if I, let's just say I've got a dog with possessive issues and, um, it goes to snap at another dog. And let's say it's more than just a mine. It, it, it goes. What do you do in that moment? What do you do? Now, for me personally, I, I grab the dog, right? Grab him, okay, safely. Now, again, I don't really recommend this. If you're not a professional, you need to be very careful uh, when you're reaching into a situation like that. Okay, but I grab them and I force them to relax. Nothing mean, nothing harsh. I'm not, ah, nothing, no, 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 no holding them just like mama dog would until they relax. A little pressure saying, nope, you're gonna relax. The more force they give me, I come back with the just the right amount of force to get them to stop. And there's the difference. There's the difference in a professional and your average dog owner. Most people don't know to stop. How much pressure to use? What's too much? Fight? They end up battling the dog. And that's not what I want. I wanna shut it down. I want to shut that stuff down. I don't want to battle with it. I'm not looking for a fight. I don't want this dog. I don't want this dog to think I'm a threat. More importantly, I don't want this dog to view me as a threat. I don't want to, I don't want to be harsh in that way. What I want to do is provide just enough force to get the behavior to stop. And I do it in a very calm and cool, collective way. I'm not screaming at the dog. I'm not, ah. It's a shh, relax. Shh. When the dog relaxes a little, I relax a little, I release a little bit. You see, that's the mirror side, guys. I want to communicate to my dog, you relax, I relax, okay? And not to mention, what am I trying to get my dog to do? I'm trying to get them to relax. So I need to reflect that relaxed behavior to them. But if I'm and wrestling them and they're already in that heightened state and they're already in that fight mode, what do you think's gonna happen, guys? So. Let's go back to the puppy uh, example for a moment. So let's just say that, let's say I was there. <laughs> okay, let's say I was there and that puppy went, boom, right for that woman's like. I'm not gonna lie, I might step in. I, I might, in that kind of moment, I might. Um, but I'll probably grab the dog off, give him a little correction, tell him no, and then remove the correction and be done. Not sit there and fight and, come on, come on. Be a reflection, be what you want your dog to be. If you want your dog to be calm, you gotta be calm. If you want your dog to relax, you gotta relax. <laughs> it seems pretty basic when you think about it, 
But man, humans stink at this, don't we? We're really bad at keeping ourselves calm and keeping check of our emotions. As we talked about, you know, that's that's the battle. That's what we all go through every day is learning how to uh, keep ourselves in check. That's that's the great battle of being a human. Um, so, you know, it's 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 a tough thing. I'm not saying it's this easy overnight fix, guys. You got to teach yourself to relax. Um I've had moments where people tell me, God, I don't know how you're, I don't know how you're not going crazy. And I'm like, look, on the inside, my heart's beating a little bit, but out here, I've got to just, got to just be, you know, got to just give off that good energy. Um, like, we'll, we'll talk, <laughs> have a drink here. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> but, you know, we have to, I, I will talk about one particular trainer, you know, that we all know of, that we all think about when we think about the word energy right? Uh, we think about the word energy, use your energy. And uh, it is true to some degree, right? That's where this reflection thing kind of comes from. That's where this mirror things kind of kind of comes. It is your energy. Now, what is energy? How do you quantify and qualify energy? That's tough. That's a tough thing, isn't it? Because energy is almost sometimes something we feel. You know, I do believe there is this, uh, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, not hippy dippy crazy, but at the same time, I do believe in the ebb and flow of the universe. I, I truly do. The good, the bad, uh, the right, the wrong, uh, you know, the sun, the the, the the dark. I mean, that's just, that's the, it, it's ebb and flow. If you look around the universe, that's the way it all works. And that's the way dog training is. And if you start to view it in that kind of ebb and flow of reward, punishment, reward, punishment, it's all the same stuff, guys, all the same. So I sort of do believe in there is this, I, I don't like to call it energy because I'm a science guy. You got to, you got to prove it to me. Right, but at the same time, I, I I sort of can quantify and qualify energy, if you will. Now it's hard to do over podcast. The video side's a little easier. We're starting to video these. Uh, um, um, we're starting to video these segments. We're going to hopefully get that video up soon. We're working on it, guys. Working out some kinks, uh, getting everything worked out to get that YouTube channel. So I'm going to plug it again. Don't forget our YouTube channel is coming. Uh, so be be checking, be uh, looking back for it. But anyway, point is, we can sort of. Um, qualify energy rather, not even quantify, by, by body language, right? If I have a person who's standing up here and we've got our shoulders back and we're confident and we're sure in ourselves, or we have a person who's kind of hunched over and a little scared and not so certain, you can, you can dissect which one's more confident, which one's not, right? There's a little bit of, of being able to qualify it. And then I could even quantify it to some degree of how much you are like that, how often you do carry it. So you can qualify and quantify energy <laughs> to some degree, but at the same time, not really, right? I can't put a number system to it unless I, it, we're not getting down that road. Um, but that's the point, guys. Some of this is how you carry yourself, your energy you're giving off, what you're telling your dog. Dogs naturally want to seek out confident energy. And if you're giving off a little unsure, hey, sit, you know, my clients that get up there and go, hey, sit. That was even more confident than most of my clients start as. That's how they start off. Not so confident. Um, and that's okay, but you guys got to work on your confidence. You got to build it up. You've got to be sure of yourself. Fake it till you make it, guys. Put your shoulders back. Have some confidence. When you ask your dog to sit, you're not going to go, Fluffy, Fluffy, sit. Can you, can you sit for me? No, it's, hey, Fluffy, sit. Oh, good girl, good boy. You hear the difference in that confidence? How about how about just my, my voice? You can hear confidence in my voice. That is a reflection of energy to your dog, of confident energy to your dog, right? Guys, I don't want to. I don't want a leader who's not sure of themselves. I don't want somebody who's going to second guess themselves. I don't want somebody who makes bad decisions because they don't know how to make a decision. You know what I mean? 
I don't want bad leadership in my own life, whether it be in my personal life or what have you. I want my wife to be confident, and she is. Uh, you know, I want that confidence is is survival, as we've talked about, and so that's why dogs seek it out. And if you don't bring confidence, quite frankly, you don't bring survival in their brain. That's that's that instinct in the back of their brains that never goes away. So if you're not reflecting off that confident leadership, forget it, guys. Forget it. Your dog's not going to want to listen to you, right? So you have to be a mirror. And, and for that matter, let's go back to the people freaking out at their dogs, <laughs> right? When, when the doorbell or whatever, we go, ah, we freak out at them. That is the opposite of confidence. All that says is you're freaking out and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Or moreover, you're freaking out the same as I am. Oh, we're equals. That's what the dog, that's what's going through. I shouldn't have to listen to you. You're not giving off that leadership quality. You're not giving off leadership energy. Why do I want to listen to you, guy? girl, whatever. Okay. You see the point here? Be a reflection, be a confident leadership type of reflection towards your dog and you'll get a better result. It goes back to even, you know, I've talked about it how many times I'm, uh, I'm very grateful that my parents were very confident. I, I never for, never for a second did I doubt my safety or my well-being. Because my parents were confident about every sure about everything, even when they weren't. I, I didn't know it. I didn't know it because they they made me feel certain, protected, safe from that confidence. It's no different with your dogs, guys. We're all animals at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, when it when it comes down to animals, what's what's we have that hierarchy of needs of safety and what gives us safety? Leadership, good leadership. That's what keeps us safe. And that's what you need to reflect back to your dog. Right. So, you know, again, it, it's it's just very important that you understand how you're communicating with your dog, what you're saying vocally, what you're saying with your body language, everything. It's very important. All right. So front door, when the doorbell rings, the last thing we're going to start doing, guys, is no, it's hey. And if they don't listen, get off your butt, go over there and make them listen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't rocket science, guys. The only reason that people can get their dogs to be quiet with a, with a command, with a cue, with a snap of the foot, whatever, the only reason is because they have paired that cue with getting them to actually stop barking. Does that make sense? Okay, I know I'm going off subject here in the mirror a little bit, but you get what I'm saying? It, 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 combine, it, it goes together because you have to reflect off what you're trying to get your dogs to do. You can't be screaming at them over and over. Instead, it's going to be, hey, once, maybe twice. Hey, quiet. That didn't work. Go over. Give them a little touch correction. Say it again. Hey, quiet. Quiet. Good. Maybe redirect it with a, hey, sit. Good, sit. Put the leashes on. We're not getting into how to do the front door today. Okay, but do you see how I'm doing that? Most people, when the doorbell rings, it's this big production. It's this big whole thing, and we got to make such a big deal about it. And the dogs are just reflecting it back. So instead, I'm going to, again, call them, hey, correction, hey, sit, good, good, sit, stay, good, leash them up, guide and direct, sit, stay, go answer the door. K-I-S-S, guys, keep it simple, stupid, don't overcomplicate your dog training. And when you get all crazy and riled up, that's all you're doing is overcomplicating it. You're giving your dog bad information, right? How about when we're out on the walk? <laughs> How about when we're out on the walk and we have a dog who reacts to other dogs? What do most people do? They start freaking out at that. God, I'm pulling and yanking and trying to. Blah, blah. Instead, try this. <laughs> okay, now again, this is assuming we've worked on the kissing noise exercise. Our dog knows how to redirect at least 
somewhat. Okay, I don't expect perfection, especially if we have a trigger like that. Um, but the point is, if I can redirect the behavior instead of going, instead I go, hey, Fluffy, hey, Fluffy, come here. Come here, Fluffy, come on. Hey, bud, come this. You hear the difference? All of a sudden, my dog maybe wants to go, ooh, what What, what do you got for it? Hi, Mochi. Actually, isn't that, I have, look, I have a dog in here right now. <laughs> I have a dog in here right now with recording, Miss Mochi. Uh, and Mochi, here, come here. Let's see if we can put you up on camera. Come here, Mochi. Oh, come here, Mochi. There's Miss Mochi. <laughs> I've been training mochi for a while, uh, but the point is she's laying in here. She's asleep, but here I am making the kissy noise and redirecting and everything. Uh, and she perks right up and she's like, hey, what's going on, David? What are we doing? That's the power of having that redirection strengthened and reinforced, guys, because mochi, same thing. Actually, she's a, she's a great example. Um, look, mochi was a rescue who... I mean, look, there's no other way to put it. She was a wreck. She was an absolute mess. She was scared of everyone. She was, uh, she, she wanted to bark and growl and even bite people she didn't know. Um, it was not good stuff, and especially out on the walk. Now, we're still working on a little bit occasionally out on the walk. She might, you know, engage, but that's just it. If I can get ahead of it, if I can redirect Mochi and go, hey, Mochi, get her to look up at me, reward the behavior. If I reflect back that calm behavior when I'm redirecting and reinforcing, my dog's a lot more likely to want to stay calm. And that's, that's what we work with Mochi, uh, is redirecting in a calm way and reinforcing in a calm way, and then she remains calm, right? Uh, the other day I was out on a walk with her, okay? Saw her perk up, there was no aggression, just a little perk up. And what did I do? I said, hey Mochi. She looked right up at me, no big deal. Now we had like, uh, <laughs> we come across this um, uh, house on my walk where there must be what? I think there's five Great Pyrenees and then two other little dogs that are sort of off in the distance and never really get a close look at them. But man, do they bark at us. <laughs> and then the following house right after that has a St. Bernard and a Golden. And I mean, all these dogs just wow, wow. So honestly, I love it because it's great practice. <laughs> it allows me to take dogs out there that have issues and teach them to ignore. And Mochi did phenomenal. She did great. She looked at it. She was like, ooh, and then looked up at me because I was very calm about it. Said, all good, Mochi, look at me, reward. Keep walking, Mochi, look at me, reward keep walking and sure enough she started walking by the dogs like oh this isn't a big deal cool it's not a big deal got it okay oh reward awesome cool thanks thanks david that's good leadership guys showing her that it's okay rewarding that redirecting her focus not letting her get engaged getting ahead of the behavior but in reality all i'm doing is keeping it simple i'm just redirecting reinforcing redirecting reinforcing redirecting reinforcing that's it keep it simple guys keep it simple when we start getting emotional when we start getting upset we start overcomplicating things. And we start, more importantly, we start giving bad information to our dogs. I don't know about you guys, but I want my dogs to be calm. I want my client dogs to be calm. Is that to say I don't want them to go play and romp in the yard and be a fun? No, absolutely not. But if I start calm, we can, as I said before, we start calm, we can go to excited, then we can come right back to calm. But if I started excited and we go to overexcited, then all we ever live in is this overexcited, excited world. And, ah! I don't want my dog's heart to be doing this all the time. Guys, I, I don't know why people want their dogs to act like that. I don't get it. It's not healthy. It's not mentally healthy. It can't be physically healthy with your heart beating three times faster than it needs to be all the freaking time. Okay? <laughs> be a good reflection to your dog. Reflect back good energy and good information. All right? If you're a good reflection to your dog, then... Well, your dog's going to be good. <laughs> How cool is that? Right? So remember what you're giving off. Be aware of your body language, your vocal tone, everything. 
be more aware, be more in tune, and you'll get better results working with your dog. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, dogs and medications. Now, before we start today's segment, I just wanted to start with a little bit of a disclaimer here. Yes, I want to say that I am not anti-medication. Absolutely not. That is not what we're saying here today. That's not what we're talking about. What we're going to be talking about is actually uh, medications that are geared toward anxiety, depression, behavioral medication, uh, medications. That's what this segment is going to be geared on. So I'm not anti-medication, guys. Look, I myself, I take a medication for my thyroid, right? My dogs have medications, some of them for, for joint pain, for things like that as they get older with arthritis. My dogs are on flea and tick meds, heartworm. They get their vaccinations yearly as needed. So no, I'm not anti-medication. I want to make sure to make that clarification, that distinction. Uh, but what I do believe is that medications for depression, for anxiety in dogs, for the most part, they're unnecessary. It's way overprescribed. And that's what this segment is going to be talking about today, is specifically medications for depression and anxiety in dogs. Once again, guys, clarifying point, not anti-medication, not anti-vaccination, none of that stuff, okay? I'm not anti, but I do believe we have to look at it from a reasonable standpoint, a reasonable viewpoint, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, that perspective on behavioral medications for dogs. So it's incredible to me that we're just, we're, we're just pumping our dogs full of you know, I'm sorry, I have to say, we are pumping our dogs full of And quite frankly, I don't agree with how much we're pumping ourselves full of this stuff. That's my own opinion. And it's not to say, look, I'm not anti. I'm not anti. I just want to clear that up right now. By no means am I anti-anxiety to meds or depression meds or anything like that for humans. I do believe there's a time and a place for it. I also do believe it's way over-prescribed. And it's to a point that it can actually cause more issues than it's helping. There's my problem right there, guys. Um, and especially when it comes to dogs. Look, I'm a firm believer that if we are going to prescribe these type of medications to humans, then it needs to be combined with therapy because I don't think a medication is an end-all be-all. I personally think these types of meds are a Band-Aid. Sometimes we need a Band-Aid, right? I use Band-Aids. Who doesn't use Band-Aids? Band-Aids are necessary to, to, to get us through uh, to heal, right? And so I don't have a problem with medications being used as a Band-Aid. I think that's their purpose, but I think without the other side of it, the therapy side, the mental health side, the side of talking through it, uh, coping, learning coping mechanisms, whatever it might be, I think without that, the medications don't do a ton of good. 
That's my personal opinion. I do believe there are always exceptions, guys. There's always exceptions to these rules. So don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about on the norm, on the whole, uh, as a generalized thing. I do believe that without therapy and the medication, it's not gonna do much good. And so it's the same with dogs. But here's the thing with dogs, guys. We can't do therapy in the traditional sense, can we? No. And not to mention, why should we? They're dogs. <laughs> I get thousands of years, guys. Thousands of years human beings have had dogs and never given them medications. Thousands of years we have gone without needing anxiety meds for our dogs, without needing depression meds for our dogs. Do you want to know why your dog is anxious? Do you want to know why your dog is depressed? It's because of you. There it is, guys. I said it. It's because of you. I am not going to try to jump on the soapbox today, but for crying out loud, it drives me nuts that these veterinarians are just script, 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 not going, how's your home life with your dog? Do you exercise your dog? You have a yellow lab and you take them for a 15-minute walk once a day? Wow, I wonder why your yellow lab is chewing up your house. Hmm. That's a thinker, isn't it? Um, so <laughs> this is my argument with the meds. The reason your dog is displacing all of these behaviors is because they're telling you they're bored, they're understimulated, and they're not being utilized. <sighs> I don't know why this is like, I, I don't even understand why this takes critical thinking to figure this out, guys. For thousands of years, we didn't have medications for dogs and we did just fine. Why do you think that is? Could it be because our lifestyle has changed? Dogs haven't. Dogs are still dogs, right? They're still, they were bred for a purpose. They were bred for a need. They're a canine. They're a predator. They need something to do. That hasn't changed. You know what has changed? Us. Our lifestyle has become not as cohesive to a dog's life. They, they don't work as well together as they used to. It's the truth because most people don't exercise enough. We know that. Guys, this isn't like, this isn't my opinion. This is a fact. Americans do not exercise enough. We don't. And if we don't exercise enough, guess who else doesn't? Our four-legged friends. And if, if, if I mean, yeah, guys, correlation, I don't know, call me crazy, just look at science. Um, <laughs> if people are exercising less overall and it's getting worse year after year, couldn't I theoretically say, well, then they're not walking their dogs? Hmm, I don't know, maybe. And maybe that's why our dogs have behavioral issues, because we're not walking our dogs, we're not exercising our dogs, we're not socializing our dogs, we're not doing all of these things we should be doing for our dogs, and then we go, boy, why is, why is Fluffy ripping up the house? I don't know. Why is Fluffy digging holes in the backyard? I don't know. Why is Fluffy lashing out at other dogs? I don't know. Why is Fluffy not okay getting her butt sniffed? I don't know. Because you're not providing for your dog, guys. There it is. You don't need medications, you need education. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it's getting to me because I'm just, it, it's, I, I've talked about it before, but I'm just seeing the increase just, just exponentially of vets just writing scripts without, without asking any behavioral questions, without asking any training questions, without approaching it from a mental standpoint other than chemically cutting it off. <sighs> Look, I know there's, I love these. These are my favorite. And I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at all of you. I'm not because there are some of you doing it right. Behavior, uh, uh, veterinary behaviorists, veterinary behaviorists, and they have PhDs and they're certified, and isn't that wonderful? But do you know what most of them do? Script, 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 script. We don't go, we don't train the dog. Oh, no, 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 we don't train. Bring them into the vet office, pay me hundreds of dollars, and then I'll write you a script and then pay me more every month to get that script refilled. I know of some in the area who do not approach anything from a training standpoint. 
how you can call yourself a behaviorist and not actually approach anything from a behavioral standpoint blows my mind, guys. Blows my mind. I don't understand how this is okay and acceptable. And again, why are we pumping our dogs full of meds when they don't need it in the first place? Again, guys, there are exceptions. I, I'm, I, I'm willing to admit it. I, I've, I have recommended medications one time in 13 years. How long have I been doing this? 13, 14, I think 14. I'm losing count, guys. Give me a break. Uh, I'm not the accountant. <laughs> but yeah, I have recommended medications one time. It was a very unique case, and I felt like they needed it as a Band-Aid. Whoops, I'm losing my light here. Don't mind me, just a moment. <laughs> a little technical difficulties. There we go. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of these things. Where I, I've recommended it one time ever, guys. One time ever. Um, and even myself, I go, go talk to your veterinarian. I'm not, you know, that's not my specialty uh, because I don't want to pump dogs full of stuff. I want dogs to be off of medications. Um, I don't want them to need these anxiety meds. I just, I, why, why, and don't, why do you want to spend that money? Here's the other thing with the medications. You're going to find if you do go this route, you might have to go through four or five, six, in some cases I've heard 10 or 15 different types of meds to figure out which one's going to work for your dog. Guys, think about that. You have to wean the dog on it, wean the dog off of it, wean the dog on it, wean the dog off of it, wean the dog on. It could take you two years to even find the medication that's going to help. Two years, two years, dog's only going to live to be 10 to 15. What? What? <laughs> this is insanity to me that people are wasting their time and money doing this. I, what? Like, let's spend two years. Let's not approach it. Let's not try to train our dog. Oh, no, no, no. Let's not try to give our dog more exercise and stimulate. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, guys, can you hear it in my tone and my voice? I'm sorry if I'm sounding a little mad today, but this is, this is beyond frustrating. Why are we pumping our dogs full of meds and not approaching it from a behavioral training standpoint? Why? Anybody? Cricket? Cricket? I've had clients in the past here locally that have told me straight up they have gone to a behaviorist, a veterinary, excuse me, veterinary behaviorist who just gives the dog meds. And I go, they don't do, they don't teach you how to walk your dog. They don't teach you how to deal with triggers. They, nope. They don't teach you how to redirect. Nope. They don't teach you how to reinforce good, nope. So what are we doing? I don't know. Somebody can figure that out and let me know. I'd, I'd love to hear. Um, <laughs> guys, medications are really not necessary for your dog. If your dog is that frustrated and bored, here's the cold truth. Maybe that dog is not right for you. Maybe this that environment that it's in is not right for that dog. And it's okay. Like, it's okay, guys. Not everybody needs a German Shepherd. It's the truth. My parents would never in a million years would should they have a dog like that. They know that, thank goodness, and that's why they have a Shih Tzu, okay? Like, I love my mom and dad to death, and there's, this isn't a good, this isn't like a slight on them. They should never own a German Shepherd. Hell, they should never own a Yellow Lab. That's just not the kind of dog people. They're dog people, and they love, you know, my golden retriever, Violet. They actually uh, watched her for me a couple weeks back and they loved her. She's awesome. Uh, and they loved her, you know, they, but that, that's not the dog they want for them. And that's perfectly fine. That's actually awesome that they know what they should and shouldn't have. That's called healthy. <laughs> okay. So guys, maybe your dog is trying to tell you it's not in the right environment. 
I know that's not what you want to hear. But if you've exhausted all your options training, if you haven't started training your dog and work, then give it a damn chance and hire somebody, you know? Um, but if it's just not working out, sometimes it's just not in the cards, guys. Uh, behavior specialists, trainers, we're not miracle workers. We're not. And sometimes there are cases where I look at it. It's not often, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, I have to look at them and go, guys, maybe this just isn't the right fit. Now, I'm not going to tell you to get rid of the dog. I don't tell people. That's not my, that's, that's your decision. It's your dog. It's very personal. I'm not going to tell you, you need to get rid of this dog. What I am going to say is you should think about it. You should think about, are you really providing for this dog? Because if you have to give it medications to provide for it, I got news for you guys. That's not really providing. It's not. And I don't think that's fair to the dog. I, I don't. I don't think it's fair to the dog to numb them instead of fixing their problems, giving them a happier, healthier lifestyle. You want to fix your dog's anxiety issues? Get out there and walk your dog, guys. The answer to today's trivia question, what determines the sex of a baby sea turtle? It's the temperature. Yes, a baby boy sea turtle will be born if the egg is incubated below 81.86 degrees Fahrenheit or 27.7 degrees Celsius, and a baby girl turtle is born if the temperature is above 88.8 degrees Fahrenheit or 31 degrees Celsius. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on The First Pets, we'll be talking about Woodrow Wilson. Now, Woodrow Wilson, he was the 28th president of the United States, and he served from 1913 to 1921. Now, for a little bit of time, Wilson was able to keep the United States out of World War I, but unfortunately was forced to enter in 1917. Now, while he is known for his progressive stances and policies, it did win him a re-election bid. Uh, he is known as more of a top-tier president. However, some critics do point out that, unfortunately, Wilson was a supporter of racial segregation. Now, Wilson did have a love of, young, uh, of dogs from a young age. He had a greyhound as a young boy named Mountain Boy. Now, during Wilson's first year as president, they didn't bring in any pets. As a matter of fact, they were a little, unfortunately, preoccupied, yes. Sadly, their daughter, Ellen, she had a kidney ailment that she ended up succumbing to. Um, now, they did start getting some animals after that. The first animals they had were some sheep and a ram named Ike, interestingly enough, before the days of, uh, of uh, Ike Eisenhower, right? Now, Wilson felt this was the most economical way to keep the grass trimmed, especially during World War I, when we had to scale back on the budgets, right? Now, some chickens were added into the mix, presumably uh, to provide eggs for the White House kitchen. Again, you know, being a little uh, budget conscious there. Now, there were two dogs somewhere in the mix in there, but not too much information about them. I really couldn't find anything. They did also have two cats named Puffins and Mittens. Again, not a ton of information on these felines, but they were uh, was said that they were free to roam the White House, sometimes ending up on the dining room table where the staff would actually use a squirt bottle to keep them away. <laughs> Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Tim from Harrisburg, Virginia. Tim asks, what kind of crate do you recommend? I just got a four-month-old lab puppy. He has some growing to do, so I'll have to probably buy another crate, and I know that. Uh, but the rescue let us borrow a wire crate until we buy a new one. I wanted to see what you thought. Thanks. Tim, thanks for the question. Um, yeah, you know, look, I... 
it, it can be sort of a personal preference on the crates. My personal preference is the wire crates, mainly a logistical thing. I have a lot of dogs coming in and out of here. Sometimes I've got a lot of crates set up. Uh, I need to store the crates easily and the wire crates are the easiest and best way to do it. I know some people don't like fiddling with them. They can be a little funky and they're hard to get up. I get that. Uh, but to me, the wire crate's a good one. And the other thing with the wire crate, you know, as you know, your puppy's going to get bigger. The other thing with the wire crates is they come with great dividers in them. They actually have a divider piece that you can move and adjust throughout the crate. So you can make the crate bigger as needed. And then you only have to buy one crate. Uh, so there's another reason to go for the wire crates. They're, they're portability. They're easy to fold up and put away, especially like if you, you know, you may not need the crate once you get your dog out of the crate. It's good to put it in the garage and keep it there just in case you do need it down the road for anything. Uh, if we go to the plastic crates, I don't have a problem with the plastic crates. They're, they're just fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, they just take up a ton of space. <laughs> they really do. Some people prefer the plastic crates. Maybe they feel like it gives their dog a little more of a den feel. And sure, I could see that. But you know what? Throw a blanket over the wire crate and it does the same thing. Obviously, be conscious on if your dog's going to chew that or not. Uh, but you can create that same kind of den cozy feel with a wire crate. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my two cents. I prefer the wire ones and they're just the easiest overall for port everything. You know, like I said, uh, the plastic ones, you literally they're two pieces. You know, you got to put them together and, and, and tighten all the little screws down. And that can take a lot of time to take apart. So if you're, you know, if you're going to be up and down with it or whatever, wire crate. That's that's the way to go, man. Use those wire crates. They're fantastic. Next question. This comes from Jenny from Loma Linda, California. Lin, uh, Jenny says, my nine-month-old puppy will not stop being in the house. He, uh, she's a Maltese and... I just cannot get her to go only outside. I take her out every one to two hours and she's just not getting it. Help. Okay, Jenny. A uh, couple things. I've done some housebreaking segments. Definitely go back and peruse my uh, all of my um, uh, uh, podcast segments. Can't even think of what it's called. <laughs> Lots of different segments on peeing, on housebreaking, on puppies. All of that is good stuff. There's so many, so check it out. But let me give you it in a nutshell. Really quick. First of all, first things first, I got to call out one to two hours is way too often, way too often. So your dog is literally thinking, especially nine months old. I, you know, I know it's a Maltese, but nine months old, your dog is literally thinking it needs to go every one to two hours because that's the pattern you've created. Look, when dogs are really small, it's one thing to take them out often, but then we got to start weaning back off of that. Okay. So you're going to need to start extending that to two to three hours. And I know I can hear it. Well, Dave, and my dog's going to need to pee. Okay, well, then you got to leash your dog up. You got to leash them up and keep them near you, whether that's tethering to a table while you're doing, like, for example, if I had a puppy that wasn't housebroken and I'm doing this podcast, I'd have the dog tethered to my desk and I'd be watching them like a hawk. If I start seeing them pace and get antsy, I'm going to have to stop recording, head outside, and let them go pee. Okay, so that's just it. It's not allowing your dog to walk away from you, find a spot, and go. You've got to keep an eye on her. Okay, it's just the only way to do it. If you cannot keep an eye on her, She's got to go in her crate. If you're not using one, you gotta. Uh, you gotta. <laughs> you need to. All right? You must be using a crate. It is going to be your best friend when it comes to housebreaking because you, if you can't keep an eye on your dog, you can't keep an eye on your dog. And they will go pee. I mean, that's just, again, you've created this pattern. I hate to say it. You created a pattern. You did. Nine months old, every one to two hours, your dog is thinking that's how often they need to go. Okay? So the only way to extend that is by not letting them go, teaching them to hold it. The leash, crate, gonna be your best friends there. Okay? Another thing is when you do take Take your dog out, make sure you're rewarding them once they go pee outside. 
Do not wait until you get back inside. You need to have a treat with you. So the second they're done peeing, she's done peeing, you're going to bend down and give her that treat, make it a big deal, reward it, okay? Definitely have to reward it outside. You need to reinforce and strengthen for her to want to go outside versus inside, right? If she doesn't have a reason to go outside, who cares? I got to go. I'm going to pop a squat. What do I care? Okay, that's, that's the way your dog is going to think there. So if you give them a reason to go outside with that reward, it's going to help a lot. But again, important to give that reward right away. Crate, leash, rewarding when they go pee. The next thing is the cleanup. Make sure you're cleaning up any accidents, mistakes she's had inside. Make sure you're using a proper cleaner, Nature's Miracle, that's my favorite one, uh, a proper cleaner in order to get that uh, smell out. Because if she can still smell it, and we know guys, dogs have good noses, they'll smell it. Regular cleaners are not gonna do the trick. Windex is not gonna be enough. Make sure you're using a proper cleaner to get that smell out. But really when it comes down to housebreaking, it's about consistency, routine, and repetition. Again, not too much routine. You need to change that routine. Well, it's not that it's not too much routine. It's that you need to change that routine to fit your lifestyle better, to teach her to hold it, okay? So it's about changing the routine, reinforcing and strengthening it, and making sure you're like a hawk watching her so she doesn't go in your house. That's gonna wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every single Wednesday morning. You can follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. And if you love what you're hearing, give me that five-star rating. Helps the podcast grow and I would really appreciate it, guys. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.